Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to Hebrews chapter 11, one of the great chapters in all the Bible, a chapter that's all about faith. I want to begin by reading verses 1 to 3 and verse 6 of Hebrews 11. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We've gone through all of the book of Hebrews in many ways to get to this point. Everything else has been a foundation for this story of faith. All that we've talked about, about Jesus being better, better than angels, better than Moses, better than the priesthood because he is the greatest high priests. It all leads to this moment of talking about you and I being able to live a life of faith. We get to Hebrews chapter 11 and the writer of Hebrews says, okay, now let's talk about faith. And he says, what's faith? It's being sure of what you hope for. Not just wishing for something, but being sure that what God has said is going to happen is going to happen because you're counting on him. That's faith. What is faith? He says it's being certain of what you cannot see. In fact, he says in these verses, it's how we know that God created everything. Every one of us has a sense as we look at everything God created, but how do we know that? It's only by faith. In fact, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who are going to please God must have faith to believe that he exists and must have faith that he rewards those actions of faith in our lives. God is pleased with our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but with faith, we do please God. If you happen to be a parent, let me ask you, are you pleased when your children trust you? Of course you are. And God is our Heavenly Father, and God is pleased when we trust Him. It's very important that you and I live this expectant life, that we learn to live by faith. So with that in mind, we're going to look these next few days at some people of faith who can teach us about faith. Hebrews 11, in some ways, is like going to faith university with the professors all being the men and women from the Old Testament who had the greatest of faith. In one way, the best way to learn faith is from people because faith is not so much a matter of what you know as who you are and the decisions you make, how you take what you know and apply it to life. It's not built just out of knowledge, but also out of relationships. And we get the opportunity to read in this chapter about these people who lived a life of faith. Even in these first seven verses, we have come across some people very quickly, three people who lived a life of faith. And they teach us about what it's like to live a life of faith, what it means to be a person who lives a life of faith. First, a guy by the name of Abel. Abel teaches us that people of faith live life with different values. Verse four says, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. Now, if you're not familiar with some of these characters as I read through, you're going to have to go back to the book of Genesis to read the whole stories. Uh, most of you may remember that you have Cain and Abel, and they offered a sacrifice, both of them, and God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. And it was out of that jealousy that Cain eventually murdered Abel. But what we're talking about here is not Cain. We're talking about Abel. And we learned three things about him very quickly from Hebrews 11, things that happened to him because he had faith. First, notice he offered a better sacrifice. Now, the question for Bible scholars is, what was better about it? And it's really not so much in exactly what the sacrifice was, but in the heart that was indicated behind it by what the sacrifice was. You can see in the book of Genesis that Cain offered something, but Abel offered the best thing. 
That's the difference. Abel offered his best. Faith adds up to a willingness to give your best to the Lord. When you hold your best in reserve, you're declaring in one sense that your faith is in reserve. When you give your best to the Lord, you're declaring that your faith is in the Lord. Second thing about Abel is he was commended. He was commended as righteous by God. Faith affected his relationships. The word righteous is a word that's about relationships. It points to being in right relationship with God and because of that with other people. And God commended Abel for this. Abel was a man who lived for God's commendation, not his own recognition, not the commendation of other people. In order to have faith, you and I have to begin with a choice. What is my most important relationship? Whose commendation am I most living for? And Abel, by faith, there's a third thing about him. He still speaks. Faith affected his influence. The most powerful tool that you've got for influencing this world is your faith. Why is it so powerful? Because your actions, your decisions that are based on faith, they will simply last longer. You want to make an impact? Seminars can hone your skills, an organization can improve your opportunities, and principles can enhance your planning, but it's all a drop in the bucket without faith. In fact, if you're mathematically minded, it's like this. Impact equals skills plus organization plus planning plus whatever else you want times faith. Times faith. And that means... Those of you that are math whizzes know that means if you've got zero faith, any thing times zero is zero. If you've got zero faith, you've got zero impact, no matter how much else you have in this life. And Abel, even though his life was ended early, his faith still speaks. That's how you have impact. So people of faith, they live with a different kind of values. And then we come across a guy by the name of Enoch. Enoch teaches us that people of faith live with a different question. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. People of faith live with a different kind of question, not what will make me happy, but instead what will please God, what will make God happy. And Enoch was a man who lived to please God. He pleased God so much that God couldn't wait for him to be with him. And so he was one of two that we know of in the Old Testament who didn't die a physical death, but just went straight to heaven, Enoch and Elijah. God just took him up. Now, what pleased God so much about the life of Enoch? Well, if you read about his life in the book of Genesis, you see that he was a man who walked with God. He spent time with God. He invested his life in his relationship with God. The question of his life was not what will make me happy, but what will please God. That's what it means to live a life of faith. And then we come across a third man by the name of, you might recognize this man as a man of faith, by the name of Noah. Abel teaches us that people of faith live with different values. Enoch teaches us that people of faith live life with a different question. And Noah teaches us that people of faith live life with a different motivation. Noah did exactly what God said, even though he had no physical proof, no physical motivation to rely on. Listen to what verse 7 says. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The question behind this verse is, what motivated Noah to build an ark? His neighbors certainly asked that. They ridiculed him for it. What motivated him to build this ark? It must have been a powerful motivation because he worked on this project, if you study into the book of Genesis, for a 100 plus years. He was motivated 
to build an ark, even though he didn't know what an ark was at the beginning. God had to show him the plan. Even though he didn't live near water, even though he didn't know what a flood was, even though he'd never seen it rain and God said it was going to rain, it was all a matter of trust. Now, here in Hebrews 11, there's three things that we come across very quickly, so quickly that you might miss them, that reveal what motivates you and I to live by faith. What motivates this kind of life? We can learn it from Noah. Noah is our teacher. God's word motivated Noah's life. God's character and power motivated Noah's life. And God's gifts motivated Noah's life. First, God's word motivated Noah's life. He was warned about things not yet seen. What God said, even though he didn't see it, he acted on it because he trusted God's word. He did as God commanded. That's a motivated faith life. God's word has to motivate your life if you're going to live by faith. God's character and power motivated Noah's life. In holy fear, he built an ark. Building an ark, he knew that God could do and he would do what he had promised in sending a flood. There's a simple principle here. The greater your respect for God, the more you expect from God. And Noah had this deep respect for God. It's called a holy fear here. He knew that God was not somebody to be trifled with. God was not somebody to be taken for granted. And out of that, he was motivated to build this ark, God's word, God's character, and then God's gifts. The Bible says he did it to save his family. God had given Noah this family. It was a gift that he recognized and he had a desire to care for. God's given gifts into your life that you have, you have to recognize, you have to desire to care for. It, it's your family, but it's also the gift of your salvation. It's the gift of other people in your life, other relationships. It's the spiritual gifts that he's given you to be a part of the body of Christ. All of those gifts all of those gifts should motivate your life to live by faith because God gave them. God gave them. And when you and I think about living a life of faith, these three examples that we've just had, these are things every day you and I need to talk to the Lord about because really the strength to live by faith comes from him and not from our thoughts, not from ourselves. It comes from his strength flowing through our thoughts, flowing through our lives. So let's take a moment to pray together. Father, we pray that today you'd help us to live with different values. Help me to live with the values of faith. Help me to live with a different question in mind. Not what will make me happy, but what will please you. In the end, I know that will bring me the greatest joy. And Lord, help me to live life with a different motivation. Not motivated so much by the things of this world, things that aren't going to last, but motivated instead by your word, by your character, by your gifts in my life. Lord, let those things draw me to live a life of faith today, I pray. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Tomorrow we're going to look together at Abraham, the father of our faith.